0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Starpens Self-help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Amanda Seals. So funky. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Small Doses. Uh, we are here for another fantastic episode. And... um, and a reunited moment because uh, yes. I have not seen Khalil Gibran Muhammad since I mean my days in New York, I, I, like
1: I know 20, it's been at least a decade, it is. about a decade, about a decade. Yes.
0: Yeah, that was a time yeah. we had a time. That was when you were running things right. at the Schomburg.
1: I was running things at the Schomburg. You were making your bones on the comedy circuit, making my bones. Be- You were following, you know, a lot of people don't know this. You were following the same circuit that Harry Belafonte and Ruby Dee followed. Even, um, oh my God, Chadwick Boseman, who used Mm. to give acting lessons at the Schomburg to young people. So you were there at the right place. And look at you
2: now.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And shout out to Ben Austin, who is also joining us. And, Great uh, to meet you. Right. Great to meet you. These two lovely gentlemen have a podcast called "Some of My Best Friends Are," and yep. you know they just passed uh, the Marriage Equality Act, and so you guys can also be friends legally <laughs> if you want to get friend married, <laughs> uh, because it's the podcast is all about interracial friendships, and I'm very curious. I don't even know why I'm yelling. I'm like literally yelling. Um, <laughs> what made you all decide that this was a void that needed to be filled?
2: Man, I- I'll start. Mm-hmm. This is Ben, but, uh, you know, so the few, white guy so <laughs> few people have these kinds of conversations across race where it's not, it's not loaded with all sorts of traps and pitfalls and in- insecurities and anger. And Khalil and I have been friends for... Many years, a long time since we were 14 years old. Years. Since we were 14 years old. And yeah. and we talk about this this stuff all the time. Can we curse on this show, by the way? You can say whatever the fuck you okay. want. <laughs> we, we we talk about this shit all the time. And and so we're not having conversations where we're like worrying about what the other person think or what's unstated. We're just like putting it all out there. And it's not like we don't fuck up and say crazy stuff or like explore ideas together. But, but that kind of honest conversation um, between two people who, who care about one another deeply and care about these issues, that doesn't seem like there's a lot of that out there. There's a yeah. lot of like DEI training, but, but, <laughs> but you know, like not, not like real, honest, raw talk. And then you can sort of move on and use that energy to explore all sorts of issues rather than just sort of like interrogating one another.
0: Right. I mean, I feel like the DEI training is more so about tolerance than understanding, right? It's more so about just like, yeah, like, don't say that or else you're going to look racist. Versus like, well, this is why this is racist. And Mm. let's get to the bottom of uh, why this is misogynist, why this is racist, et cetera, et cetera. So, Ben, well, first of all, let's identify, like, what do you guys even do for a living when you're not doing this podcast?
2: (laughs) You, All right, Ben, you go first. So I'm a journalist. My job, my job yeah. is more important. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt, you know, uh, from, from jump. We, I mean, we'll talk about this more, but he was, he was, he was uh, beating me from go. Um, so I'm a journalist. I write for the New York Times Magazine. I write books. I have a book coming out about the parole system. I had a book about Cabrini-Green. Uh, I do other podcasts. So, like, I'm a full-time journalist, and yep. this, this podcast becomes a part of that to extend these conversations. Gotcha. What about you, he's also,
1: Yeah, yeah. He's also hmm. on eternal assignment. So, you know, Amanda, how we black folks, we're always wondering what white people are saying about us when we're not in the room. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so he gets to report back to me, like, at least once a week of all the things he's heard nice. uh, it, 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 in those private spaces. But, yes, I am a professor of history, uh, race, and public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. I am also an author. a frequent commentator in national media, an occasional writer for the New York Times. And so I'm one of those Black guys who has a big mouth and gets to talk a lot.
0: Mm. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. (laughs) But I also feel like, I mean... The, there's a specific kind of white guy that you have to like for y'all to be friends. Like, you know, it's not like you and. Are you
1: outing us? Are you bringing <laughs> us out of the closet? I'm
2: like,
0: <laughs> it's not like the podcast is you and Tucker Carlson. You know what I mean? No, like, no, no, it's no. Nothing. We That's are true. our
2: we're, our roots are together. I mean, we you know, and we yeah. we grew up in a in a neighborhood where you know you had sort of like white radicals and black radicals living side by side. Are y'all from you the know? Bay? Yeah. No, we're we're from we're from like the equivalent in Chicago from Hyde Park. Okay. Where got you had like it. Farrakhan yeah. and former weathermen living a block from one another, you know, and Obama and right. uh, you Jesse know. Jackson. Yeah. yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Or
1: Muhammad Ali who lived across the street from Elijah Muhammad at, yeah. at some point in the nineteen sixties. So yeah, that's that's this crazy quilt of a neighborhood that we call Hyde Park that is our home. And you're right. I mean, we are not a cross section of middle America. Uh, We come from a particular kind of integrated community, mostly middle class, you know, of a post-civil rights era um, where there was a whole lot of good things happening, especially for black people. I mean, my parents both were kind of firsts. My mom was one of the first uh, of a generation to be a black teacher in white classrooms Mm. in the city of Chicago. My dad wasn't necessarily the first person to show up as a photojournalist in newsrooms. Uh, he worked for Newsday in New York City and then eventually the New York Times, but he was certainly part of the first generation who really were included right. in, in in the daily news cycle. So yeah, that's that's partly our story, which is not totally representative.
0: Why do you feel like people have such a difficult time with the concept of Cause I, here's the thing, I have I know people that have like quote unquote interracial friendships, but like you said, like they don't have real conversations, right? Like there's definitely mm. this like very like sequestered like don't walk over there, don't That's don't right. touch on that. Like why do you think that is? Because I know I don't have white friends that I can't do that with, and anyone who's listening, if you can't have those conversations with your white friends, you're not really friends. <laughs>
1: Y'all ain't friends. Y'all ain't friends. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I I I'll start with at least an anecdote that sort of illustrates the point. So. My wife and I moved to like the whitest place on earth, which is Indiana. Calabasas? Oh, okay.
0: Because that's where (laughs) I'm at.
1: (laughs) Which is is Indiana, at least for us, relative to where she grew up in Florida, I grew up up in Chicago. But we moved to Bloomington, Indiana, which is about 4% black. The county that it is in is is adjacent to a former Klan place that was... You know, didn't, like everybody knows. Didn't
0: the Klan pop off in Indiana? Like, That's
1: right. They did. That's, That's right. People the, think the it's Mississippi, but
0: <laughs> Indiana was like, we got it. That's
1: right. That's right. So so here we are in this new place, and I meet this other mom at preschool pickup where our kids were going, and they were like the onlys in the school. Anyway, we hit it off, and this couple and and my wife and I become friends. They're white. We're black. And it's all cool, right? And we need friends even in this white space. And one day, like a year into the relationship, I'm talking about my work because that's what I do for a living. I'm a race whisperer, right? I study racism. So, of course, I'm going to talk about it. And she literally says to me, Khalil, is that all you ever talk about is race? Like, I mean, had like, there been a record playing, the needle would have just scratched across <laughs> right? the, the whole. End <laughs> of friendship. End like, of friendship. Yeah, it was like today. And it, it didn't end the friendship, but it changed the friendship, Amanda, to your point. It, it totally changed uh, from then yeah. on. Because then it meant, oh, like this kind of, like what animates my life, whether it's professional or personal, there's limits to what she wants to hear uh, in this dynamic.
0: I know you, I am you. I (laughs) feel you. I get this all the time. I mean, not from friends, but I definitely get this on the internets on a regular basis. All you talk about is race. And it's like, well, that's the focus of my work in many ways. So, I mean,
1: yeah. And if we talked more about it, we actually might be smarter about it and we might actually be able to deal more with it, right?
0: That part. Because I'm curious, (laughs) Ben, in your work, you know, how, I mean, to me, the stuff that you mentioned, uh, doing, you know, talking about you did a book on Cabrini and you did a book yep. on was it Rikers you said um,
2: about, about uh, criminal justice reform uh, parole yeah, about, right yeah about parole and prisons
0: you can't talk about any of that without talking about race no
2: no you know I'm I'm a white guy from the south side of Chicago so I'm I'm, right. I'm grappling with the world that's around me but um, you know you you mentioned talking about like you know. You know, the more you talk about this, like the idea that you can talk about this, and it doesn't have to even necessarily be confrontational. Like you can keep on talking and exploring and learning, and that should actually be, you know, this is who we are in our full selves. I mean, to sound kind of corny there, but mm-hmm. but but like you should be able to talk in these ways, um, and where you bump up against one another and where there are differences and similarities, those should be the kind of conversations which are exciting and and interesting and even fun, um, and where they're problematic you should dive into that too. Um, I think that's what we do. And, and I mean, partly what we're in this, in this short time we're talking with you is like, yeah, that is really rare. Um, and you know, that almost becomes the secondary thing of when, when on our show because uh, we get to talk about other issues because right. we're just doing that naturally. Like that's just part of our everyday conversation.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you guys have like, uncovered anything new in your friendship, doing this podcast, or have you like? Oh hell yeah, yeah no Like doubt. what? Yeah. Tell me the tea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know that. Um, I mean, it's funny. So I was gonna kind of, kind of tease Ben a little bit in that answer because I thought it was a little bit at thirty thousand square, you know, thirty thousand feet. <laughs> are you, are you criticizing is, like,
2: Amanda's question asking?
1: <laughs> no, I'm. Not, I'm criticizing your response to her question. Uh, your response, which is like, look, I mean, we were fourteen years old when we met. And the thing about it is, like, we're not the first black-white pairing, whether girl, boy, or, or non-gender conforming, to, like, have a relationship across the color line at that age. The difference is that at some point, people grow apart. Yeah. It's it's because of separation. It's because of college or career. All, or politics, right? Something happens. Or your friends' groups change. Like, the truth is that, I mean, my racial politics when I was 14 compared to Ben's racial politics were probably less sophisticated. This is the guy who was listening to hip-hop and wearing gold chains. I was listening to Phil Collins and Madonna and, you know, like, dressed like Steve Urkel. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, we, we, we you, were, you were sort like,
2: of... You weren't like Phil Collins, wait for the break, wait for the break. <laughs> you, were like, you were like, what I like is before the break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were pre- <laughs> <laughs> bum. Exactly. Like, no, I like the smooth part. So,
1: yeah. So, so you know, we changed. We both changed in a way. He went to the University of Rochester and got a little whiter. And I went to York, Pennsylvania, and, and got yeah, and got yeah. a lot blacker. And the, the the test of our relationship was what we made of each other when we came back from college when we had to figure out how to navigate our new selves. And that's where I think most relationships fall apart. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. people don't usually come back together and say, you know what, we're kind of different now. You know, like the same old routines aren't yeah. necessarily the same thing. But now, and we had different friend sets. And, and that to me is the part of the relationship that I think is what we want to model for people. Because when you come back as different people... When, you know, Ben came back from South Africa, I picked him up from the airport. He was like a stranger to me at that point because he not only had gone to college, but he'd gone to a foreign country for like two years and I hadn't seen him.
0: So you did and a study abroad a, in I did, South a full,
2: of, I, I did a Fulbright and then went to the University of Cape Town while I was there. Yeah. Casual. And just casual. Just throwing like the, that out <laughs> there. Just casual like, flex. The, <laughs> The most most white oppressive place in the world, right? No, but I remember remember that drive coming back from the airport and, and having this exact conversation of some form of this of like, you know, you need to think of me differently now. You, you know, saying like, you
0: saying that to Khalil? Yeah, I
2: I said something like that of that. Like, form did you say it like, in like, Mosa
0: or did you like
2: <laughs> just with clicks? With clicks. Africans, he, said it, he said it in Afrikaans. Uh, so you're like, you're like, I was I was wearing a dashiki. <laughs> For sure. For sure. hundred percent. Yeah. So But I mean, what you was can the thing Amanda... though? But
0: what was the thing that w- yeah. that you felt had changed about you in those two years that you felt no, like just... Khalil needed to?
2: I just think we, you know, like you, you, you imagine people as their past selves, and to be like, I am that, Seems like but, I'm grown, but now. I'm also all these other things, and like, let's let's yeah. like figure that out. Um,
1: all right, I'm gonna really break it down. So I'm gonna give you an exclusive, Amanda. The other thing was this was a, this was the period in his life when he started dating white women.
0: There was gonna be some. Relationship situation. I was like, this is either when black women came in. Yeah, I know.
1: Fine. Whatever. Go ahead. This this, this is
2: what brought us together again because I asked your advice about white women. I was like, break it down for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, explain this to me, please. Nice. That
0: was was sharp.
1: All right. Fine. That was sharp. Fine. fine. (laughs) Yeah. So. We had, we had some things we could share.
0: Common ground, common ground. Well, that adds, you know, that actually leads to my next question because on the podcast, like, how broad does the conversation go? Like, is it just political? Is it just social commentary, or is it also personal and going to in those other spaces?
2: Yeah, all of those, all of those, Amanda. All of the above. I mean, so, yeah. you know, you dropped an episode of our show in, in your feed where we talked about, we talked with the professor, uh, Saladin Ambar, who wrote a book about uh, political racial friendships across, you know, from from like the beginning of the United States to the present day.
1: Thomas Jefferson to Obama, yeah. And,
2: and, and you know, that was a really, that's like the lens of interracial friendships through this this, you know, political landscape. Um, right. But you know, we just had a show where we we talked about an episode with a podcast where we talked about the TV show Southside, which is a, a comedy I on show, hBO you know filmed yeah, here awesome We talked about Dave Chappelle on an episode and sort of his his his, his kind of some of my best friends his are trans you know like like he basically say, said he... some of my best friends are, are trans, trans. It's like yeah, and so yeah. you know we broke that down and and you know, we talk about everything kind of under the sun, but it's almost always right. through the lens of of race. It's sort of like the, the woman in, in, in Indiana, she would not like this show because we sort of keep on coming back to those conversations. No, I'm talking she needs to about her.
0: Listen <laughs> <laughs> she,
1: she's listening. She just doesn't know. She, I'm talking <laughs> about her. But Yeah, but, but, uh, it, but it
2: can be. Yeah, it's, it's... go ahead, Khalil. Sorry.
1: Well, I was just going to add that. I mean, you asked the question about is it all politics or pro, uh, professional? I mean, so the. the The formula of the show is to use our, like, an anecdote from our past at some point to illuminate some contemporary problem that we're, like, interested in exploring, sometimes on our own, sometimes with a guest. So, one of my favorite episodes is this episode called Tennis Lessons, and we essentially did the episode, all right, not long after uh, the U.S. Open when two women of color were in the finals. And we wanted to reflect on Serena Williams. We wanted to reflect on Naomi Campbell, but the show... No, no, Naomi, not Naomi <laughs> Campbell. We
2: did reflect oh, on Naomi, Naomi Campbell, yeah. but sorry. afterwards. But on the show, we talked about Naomi Osaka. <laughs>
1: right, sorry. I, my, my mouth is moving faster than my brain. And we opened the show, you know, our version of a cold open... With Ben telling this story about us playing tennis together, and I'm going to let him retell the story
2: real quick. We played high school tennis on the south side of Chicago together, and my man right here, Khalil Jabram Muhammad, (laughs) he was most improved player. Yay! My, jun- in, my junior in, in year, I was amazing.
1: I was such a good player.
2: And then in 1989, our senior year, he was most improved player again. <laughs> he won most improved player two years in a row, which is the first time ever in any sport at any level <laughs> that they gave that award. I was like, damn, man.
0: You were focused.
2: <laughs> I was really you, good. You I was just on really the good by then. <laughs> now I'm at the top, baby. Yeah.
0: I uh, I I wanted to take tennis lessons, and when I went to like the tennis center that was close to where I was living, I asked the lady at the front. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm looking for a tennis coach, and she was like, I know exactly who you need, and I was mm. like, okay. And so she sent me the person's number. I call them. of course. It's a black man named Terrence. It's the, Terrence. One, black, yeah. it's, it's the yeah. one black coach out yeah. the whole place. And we've actually been His working His name was
1: together. Terrence, really? Yes.
0: <laughs> 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 and Terrence is a black man. And six, year, six right. years later, I have a mean one hand backhand. So, Uh-oh,
2: me too. Me there too, we go. The there Pearl we the
0: player of 2022. Yeah. <laughs> so when you do, okay, so tell me this, because I'm curious just outside of the podcast, like, just you guys' thoughts as, like, smart people. What are your thoughts on how race played a role in the Brittany Griner situation and in people's response to her coming home?
2: Yeah, I've actually thought about this a lot. And and I've been, like, you know, bombarding Khalil from from go. And I don't think, you know, I don't know if you can sort of separate race from sexuality here. Mm. You know, that I think that she's she's Black and queer and has always been sort of, you know, you know, that, that combination. And just, it was not, it didn't capture the the public imagination. You know, I mean, even like this sort of self-congratulatory stuff afterwards, like we've been pushing for this all along. I was like, no, you haven't. <laughs> there, there has been just silence. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, where there's a war going on right now. And, you know, you can think of like Russia as our, uh, as our you know, our Nemesis adversary. Right. And mm-hmm. And that this did not, there was not sort of like this public uproar. There was not this like, you know, it's been 100 days, it's been 120 days, 140. Um, I, don't, I, I think it's very much a part of it, but I think it's both yeah. that she's black and gay. Yeah.
1: Well, this is one of the things that makes our show work really well is because, to be honest with you, Ben, was much more interested in it. I was a little bit more like, mm, I think they've done the kind of obligatory news reporting. Um, they've kept track of key moments in her processing, you know, from being accused to getting a lawyer to the question about a trade and all of that stuff. So I will be completely honest and transparent. I didn't feel that there was a media blackout. Um, And so that's a setup for this. The reaction Mm -hmm. to the actual deal, I'm like, these motherfuckers. (laughs) Thank you. Like that's to me. I mean, Ben. Ben. I never said Ben was wrong. I just didn't feel it quite the 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 urgency as he felt. Uh But in the reaction to her coming home, and now this accounting for, well, what about this white guy? And what about that white guy? And how come they don't matter? I mean, that's the racism unleashed around this issue that only validates Ben's initial concerns.
0: You know, they say money can't buy happiness. But not worrying about your money definitely comes close. And that's where Chime can help you smile more. They were just named the number one most loved banking app. With payday up to two days early and fee-free overdrafts up to $200, they offer financial peace of mind in your wallet. All of this with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks to apply. See for yourself why Chime is so loved at Chime.com. doses That's Chime.com doses. chime is a financial technology company not a bank banking services and debit card provided by the bank corp bank or stride bank NA members fdic early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply see chime.com slash spot me chime was the 2022 number one most downloaded bank app in the united states according to aptopia I mean, had she been a blonde white woman, she would have come home earlier, but also there would have been a graphic at the bottom of the screen that that counted down (laughs) the the days. Yeah. Kelsey in Russia, day 22, you know? It's interesting. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, Amanda, I wonder even if it was like a male athlete, you know, and even you could say a black male athlete who was not the best, you know, it doesn't have to be fucking LeBron James, but we're talking about someone kind of good. You know, like, would would it capture, (laughs) yeah? I don't know. Like, it's so this was, I think maybe then there would
0: have been much more black male uproar, yeah, right? Like, there would have been more about that. I mean, this it really has been fascinating as well as just incredibly disheartening for me to watch because there's so many opportunities in the intersectionality of the conversation to like go to, and instead, it's like actually, I think, fractured people, right? Because you have yeah, people looking yeah. at it like, oh, she gay. This ain't my problem, mm-hmm. you know? And then you have, I feel like, white people are like, oh, of course a black went to Russia and broke the law. She's going to need to do
2: the time, <laughs> yeah. you know?
0: And I'm like... A black. <laughs> Singular. No, the, I, the,
2: the, right, Yeah, the, the Times ran this story about about basketball players who were still going to Russia to play you know and yeah. it was like you know I need to get my money I need to make money this is my only option it was just kind of a wild story of like you know one the, the total absence of solidarity like yes. even at this point damn yeah. like like gotta, gotta I understand that you got yeah yeah and that's just like I don't think I don't think you well, get away with that part yeah. of
0: that is I think part of that is less of a lack of solidarity with Brittany and more of a lack of solidarity with America. Like this idea yeah. of like, oh, we're like Russia's at war with Ukraine and America's against it. I think Black people are like that ain't the same. I ain't they gonna do with me? Like right,
2: yeah, you know, or conservatives. Well, yeah, we're conservatives that somehow the enemy of my enemy that somehow because the, you know there's a Democratic administration that somehow Russia's okay with us.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Well that that's a great point I wanted to, to to just affirm. I love this notion of like a white blonde woman in the cryon on Fox News, you. like with days <laughs> counting down. That that is brilliant because I think to your point, that would have then politicized this issue such that there would have been way more pressure on the Biden administration. And then there would have been like this crazy uh, around the Mulberry Bush linkage between Hunter Biden and some conspiracy of silence with Russia <laughs> to not bring Brittany Griner home if she was some white woman blonde. I mean, so so in that sense, I think you're absolutely right. There's, the double standard would be very, very striking.
2: What if it was Britney Spears?
0: Oh, <laughs> she would have been back.
2: They would be like, no, nah, she's crazy anyway. Remember when, when she showed no, us. snack? No, because you
0: know what? We got, out of a conservatorship, we can get her out of Russia. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like, the... go ahead.
1: There's another, there's another angle on this though and it's one that I think, is, I mean, Ben kind of mentioned it with conservatives, but, so when Sandra Bland, uh, and I want to say was killed, I was going to say, died what are you about to the, say? died, clearly died in the custody yes. uh, of the police uh, just outside, I forgot the county name, but outside Coming of from Chicago. View, yeah. Uh, A&M University, where she was working, mm-hmm. I visited that campus a couple years after her death. And I talked to some of the students and uh, faculty. And I said, you know, like, what was it like here uh, in the wake of Sandra Bland's killing and death? And they said, we were banned by the university oh. from supporting supporting student activism around this. And I was like, what? That's crazy. This is a historically black yeah. university. Are you kidding me? You know what the answer was? The reason why is because and I quote that woman had marijuana in her system. So, you know, part of part of your point and Ben's point about conservatism is like black people also bear some responsibility for the ambivalence, right, about this black gay pot smoking woman, right, who which <laughs> you know, is who like, like cry no tears.
0: It's a it's it's really It's really just confusing to me how I think those are the same people who will admittedly say that the law in America is oftentimes swayed in favor of those who are not black. The law is oftentimes thrown, like the book is thrown at black folks. Like they can see that. But then in the smallest offense, they'll be like, well, it's your fault. Like you earned it. It's your fault.
2: Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: I would also like to ask you guys.
2: Man, I'm enjoying this. I like this. (laughs) (laughs)
0: thoughts what are your thoughts okay well this is a two-parter what are your thoughts on the outcome of of the midterms and what are your thoughts on the outcome of the georgia runoff
2: okay but we we had we we had the fortune of having (laughs) eric holder the former attorney general on our on on a show recently to talk about some of these issues and about voting rights and how it played out and, you know, his take was that the, you know, democracy sort of prevails, at least in some sense, like our very low bar of a country, which we were like, you know, people might not even accept a vote. Like people vote and there's an outcome and people are like, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to accept it. You're like, hey, they didn't do that. We won. We have a country. <laughs> right. The country exists. Um, you know, we Khalil and I have talked about this a, a lot, but I certainly feel that, you know, as a Democrat and probably further to the left than a lot of Democrats that there's a lot of congratulations about holding the Senate and about winning some some governorships, and really it's like there's a lot of focus on how you win elections and not how you create policy. Yeah. And I'm not that you know I know you have to win elections to to then create policy. Right. But right. damn, you can't <laughs> keep on arguing like oh we well we have to win we have to win we have to win and then you don't really you don't really do that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't have anything much to add to that, that it, it was a mixed outcome. Listen, we lost power. So all this news reporting out of they were expecting a red wave, you know, and it turned into a red puddle. And then everyone's celebrating this. To me, it's like, we still lost the House. And virtually any legislation that might have been passed, which was already difficult when we had all right. legislative branches and the White House, is now going to be even harder. So, you know, we're going into a more difficult next two years of the Biden administration than the first two years that we came out of. So, yeah, whoop de doo right? We 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 held on I mean, to the I
0: mean, I'm going to take my little victory where I can. We I thought yeah. we was about to wake up in a handmaid's tale, and
2: we didn't. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. See, right. That's real. You got to, like, 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 democracy really was some crazy, you know, you just didn't know. It was really, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, like, I was, real. I didn't realize just how stressed I was about it until the next morning, and it was like. Oh, because I cause I'm I have dual citizenship in Grenada and I'm going back to visit and like I that. had been thinking in my mind, like, you need to look at real estate <laughs> while you're there.
2: <laughs> because like you may need to bounce
0: like sooner than you think. Right. And I just was looking at what's going on in Sri Lanka, what's going on in Brazil, what's going on. Where did I see there's another uprising that just happened? That's somewhere. why I'm
1: headed to Rwanda. You're I, also known as Wakanda. I was
0: like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to Kenya <laughs> at the top of the year and my homeboy is from Rwanda. Yeah. He's like, oh, just take a to Rwanda.
1: Oh, like, listen, and I'm not I'm not just, you know, being like crassly like caricature of Africa. I, I my family and I were there last May, and I said to my wife after being there for more than a week, I'm like, I think we should retire here. First of all, the weather never changes and it's always like 65 to 85. They have a brief rainy se- season. It's a beautiful country. Like, you know, to use a European gaze, it is the Switzerland of Africa. Um, and although it's super poor and super dense, it is the cleanest, most built infrastructure you'll ever see. And there's so much growth opportunity. So, yes, Rwanda, if the shit goes down, that's where I'm headed.
0: You know, the thing about was fascinating about Rwanda, this is now a whole different podcast, but the thing that was fascinating about <laughs> Rwanda was I, I watched a documentary about just the reconstruction of Rwanda after the genocide. The genocide, yep. And how much they focused on the emotional reconstruction yeah, of yeah. Rwanda, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I just we live in a place that doesn't contextualize things in that way, right? Like, we think of reconstruction right. as, like, economics and building buildings. And they were like, no, like, we have to rebuild a society that, for what it's worth, was broken because of Belgium. Like, it wasn't even... Us that oh, broke. Yeah, it. go ahead, Amanda, girl. See, you. that's yeah. right. We don't yeah. just
1: let anybody at the Schomburg get on our stage. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, this, this woman is smart. Yep. She's yeah. a smart Negro. <laughs> 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 Articulate.
0: Shout out, to, shout out to Dr. Manny Marable, who definitely <laughs> right. broke that all the way down for us back in the day. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And um, yeah. emeritus professor at Columbia. I
0: just, I just was, I just was fascinated how they basically what they were doing was they were bringing together hutus and tutsis. That had been involved. So not just like Hutus and Tutsis who were on the fringe. fringe. They were bringing together like this is someone who murdered someone and this is someone yep. whose family was murdered. Yeah. And bringing them together yeah. and them having to hear each other, right? right. And, and understand each other and find a way to forge forward. And I mean- I can't. I couldn't even do that with some of my exes, let alone with somebody who. No, 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 yeah. So that was. No, that, we, so, I can see why Rwanda would would.
2: Yeah, like, so we 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 just did an episode about restorative justice with Ooh. this woman Danielle Zared, and you know it's so applicable to. Wait, can you just you
0: know, for a moment just define restorative justice for people?
1: All right, no, 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 no yeah. white guy. You don't put it on <laughs> me. You brought it up. You get to no. define it.
2: Yeah, so it, it's about creating healing by the person that harms someone and the person who's harmed to, try, to think of an alternative method of accountability, separate from, say, punishment, imprisonment, or jail, that is, that is healing. Yes. And yeah. it, can, it can result in a lot of things. It can be, you know, it doesn't have to be even necessarily two people talking to one another, but it might be. But there's some restorative act that the person who does the harm has to do. And, yeah. you know, and, that's what we think I of did- as accountability.
1: And I'll just add Tell that me. more than anything, the current system uh, does not allow for the victim to understand why they were victimized by the perpetrator.
2: The current criminal like justice system.
1: A, a current the current like so, the, so the, the, the courtroom experience is all adversarial. Yes. So there's no opportunity for the perpetrator to say, not only this is why I picked you that day, um, to rob you or to nearly beat you to an inch of your life. Um, and it's before these reasons. That never happens because usually people are pleading guilty and they never have to testify, or they're pleading not guilty and they're shaping a story that is to their advantage. Right. And then the victim gets to say, well, that made me feel this way, and the victimizer gets to say, and now I understand how I made you feel and what can I do to, to, to help you heal. And therein lies the possibility for a different set of Accountability practices that we simply just don't allow for in our current system. People just get locked away, and and not only do they just get locked away, they get locked away, and often come back angrier mm. and more bitter, and more likely to hurt somebody in the future than they did on the day where whatever it is they did in the first place.
2: Yeah, and this, this is you know this is a different kind of criminal justice system and imagining of it, but it's applicable exactly to what you were saying about Rwanda. I mean, it's you know how do you create a, a system of healing that allows people to move forward? and and coexist and maybe not even sort of like interact but sort of to be part of the same society. Yeah. And then you know and then it becomes you know Rwanda becomes a way that we understand say race in America too and so, you know restorative justice like how do people deal with this this past that we you know it's it's our uh, you know it exists in so many ways from our original sin as a country to 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 daily stuff today. Um and that to sort of be out in the open in a way. I mean, so, you know, this is like bringing it back to to race again. And maybe even Herschel Walker, you asked about Herschel Walker. I'm just throwing (laughs) it back, just to try to close the loop. I love that you brought it back, because most people lose it, but I always come back. (laughs) Speaking of that, which one
0: of y'all are werewolves and which one of y'all are vampires? (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, talk about the most explicit form of racism in our political culture, I would argue that nominating Herschel Walker in a senatorial race against Raphael Warnock will go down in history book to be as racist as the Willie Horton ad by Lee Adwater and George Bush one's campaign. Uh, Because it was exactly the same thing. Say, we're going to pick the dumbest MF we can find um, to... Parlay his celebrity that will appeal to black people because he is known for his celebrity more than anything else. And Not that known will for neutralize, Not
0: known for right? Yeah.
1: No, no, that will that will neutralize the black vote because they'll be like, oh, Herschel Walker, yeah, because because we're that dumb, yes. like we're as dumb as he, he is. Throw
0: the ball, right? That's the one to throw the ball. <laughs> he do throw the ball, okay? No, he catch the ball. That no, he run the ball. Right. He ran. He ran. ran he he, he Come ran. He ran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and I I didn't know this initially, but uh, MSNBC ran a segment recently in the wake of the the win. That Lindsey Graham and Donald Trump had a conversation that was on the record where they were like, yeah, we'll pick we'll pick Herschel Walker because then the then the blacks will vote for Herschel Walker yeah. over that crazy radical socialist Raphael Warnock, who is anything but. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm i glad I can laugh now, but the, the margin was way too thin. <laughs> way too thin. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, like, yeah.
0: So yeah, I you, have lo- you look a- at
2: things like, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Amanda. No, finish it off. I just like I mean, if you looked at like white women who voted for Herschel Walker, you know, it's um, I can't even remember what the percentage was, but it was incredibly high like 70 to and higher. They you just want to was...
0: get fucked by Mer- Herschel Walker. Uh-oh. Oh no. No, no, no. no, this is <laughs> um, <laughs> it's
2: like they, they,
0: there's only two buckets of that. They either want to get fucked right. by Herschel Walker or they want Herschel Walker to fuck us, you know? Like that those are the the two buckets no. because <laughs> totally agree <with> that one. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a um I have a bit in my stand-up right now where I break down white folks into a spectrum. And I'm going to throw this to Mm -hmm. Khalil. Okay.
2: All right. Uh Uh-oh. I like this. I like Uh it. Is this one of these jokes like white people do, but black people do it this way?
0: No, I do not do those jokes. (laughs) The only joke I do that even closely resembles that is that black people say pussy when they have sex. And I've heard that white people do not.
2: (laughs) And that is
0: weirdly fascinating to me. Yeah. but I have a litmus test that I present to people on determining where their white friends fall on this spectrum, okay? And the spectrum okay. is white people, people who happen to be white, allies and co-conspirators. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the spectrum is related to how they responded to January 6th. So I want to first ask then <laughs> On January 6th, what how did you respond? What was your like watching the TV thought process? And then how did you relate this to Khalil?
2: Actually, I think we were texting or we were on the phone with one another at, at some point. No right? man, no man. Oh, yeah. You're on your own. No, you I was trying to remember on that. your own. I, two was, I was pale feet. I was completely baffled. Like, like I couldn't believe this was happening. Like this is real? Oh wow. Like this is real? Like this. What a great,
1: what a great question.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and this is like this slow motion, almost like the way sort of the comic way people were dressed, you know, and that this is this is continuing like it was like a slow motion fall kind of thing because it wasn't all at once. It was people gathering. Um Yeah, just uh and then just a kind of I mean, we there was it was mixed with this sort of knowledge that Donald Trump was leaving. So we were already um, you know, feeling a kind of release, but then this dread like that this could be pulled away. That this could not happen. That there was just this possibility.
1: I, I, I'll, so I ain't white, but I like these crazy motherfuckers. Uh...
0: <laughs> okay, so just so you know, uh, the punchline of the joke is that co-conspirators <laughs> texted their black friends and said, "Look at these crackers."
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a uh... yeah. Yeah. So there's, when you, so a, I'll
0: give you that caveat because when you said the way they were comically dressed, I'm like mm, that falls in line. That falls in there's line.
2: There's a there's a recent Atlanta episode uh, where they're they're testing this this biracial kid whether he's he's black or yes. white, and and they talk about a shooting and he starts he answers it the way I did, and <laughs> and they were like they were like the answer was uh, huh. Oh, that was the correct answer. <laughs> so that's all I should have said. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Because
1: yeah. that's what I was seeking. I, I, just shook my head. I was like, mm, "This is just fucked up, man. These people." And I, and like, again, the most shocking thing wasn't even that they were doing it. The most shocking thing was that they weren't getting shot they down getting in it, the yeah. process. Yeah. Like that's um, to me. I was like, even like, oh, I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised. But even that, I thought oh no, the cops are running.
0: With them. Oh, this is wild. This is
1: wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like yeah.
0: climbing up the walls. Like, <laughs> if that had been black people, y'all, they would have been no, shooting them like roaches on a wall. Just like, pew, 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 So Ben, do you yes. consider yourself a co-conspirator?
2: <laughs> hmm. it, does one consider oneself a co-conspirator, or is it an external thing?
1: I'll oh, see. He's, he's I'll take that. Okay,
0: Khalil, do you consider Ben a co-conspirator?
1: I do. Yeah, if I was in the trenches, he'd be there with me. Uh, but but honestly, I think he's a hybrid because when you asked the question about like what the four categories were, it was the second one that that was most resonant in my head, which is. Um, a guy who happens to be white. Yeah. Got you. Like that's 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 what I thought of first and foremost. Yeah. Well,
0: because you know the people who happen to be white is really just like I don't really believe in this shit. Like n- necessarily, yeah, means it But I also don't. I, it's not also not lost on me though that I benefit from this shit, right? Like this whiteness thing is a like thing. I wouldn't
2: be out, I wouldn't be out there, but they probably had their good reasons. <laughs> like that <laughs> like that I wouldn't go there but they're probably <laughs>
1: oh yeah that's not Ben yes, okay I get
2: that, it. Yeah, it I get you it you
0: nailed it yes that wouldn't be me some of them probably
2: they might have lost their jobs they might have yeah. they have a also certain, suffered. there's there's yeah. an empathy yeah. there
0: so yeah. i guess my last question is you know when it comes to when it comes to just the way that you guys feel like you've like planted this podcast in our current uh, in our current world um what do you think it gives to people and what do you think it's still working on
2: yeah i'll take this one because are you going to think i love gonna, about our talk show? about about making a post-racial america no nah, man <laughs> what
1: i love about our show is like we live in an information age we are all saturated by like yeah. you know you can you can Mouse click your way to the store of the world's knowledge in less than a minute. But in this world, we still need curators. Mm -hmm. We still need storytellers. We still need people who are credible messengers, who have lived experiences that make our voices count a little bit more than just the news story or the journalist telling it and that's what our show does. We we curate the information, we bring in wonderful storytellers, we try to tell some of our own stories from my childhood. And guess what? And we do it and try to have fun with it cuz yeah. this shit is crazy. Yes. And if it and if everything is just on the nose and everything is like this is urgent. My hair is on fire. Then as you know as a comedian, you miss the way the human beings actually respond emotionally. It's not all doom and gloom and fire and right. Sometimes you need to just laugh about this because there's not much else to do but laugh because it it's outrageous, it's absurd, it doesn't make any sense,
2: and that's also and how so you, that's the yeah. fun we have, and you sometimes hear it better if it's not the volume's not turned away turned yeah. all the way up to ten. you hear yeah. it better sometimes at three and four if you're telling a joke or laughing and and sort of seeing it a, a, a the absurdities as well,
0: yeah, I feel like this is so that's, less that's what we do I feel yeah. like it's less a podcast about. You know, how to be interracial friends, you know, because I feel yeah, like no, no, that, it's you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's more a podcast about perspective and, you know, how the Venn diagram can happen. Um, you know, you've
1: outed us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is all, it is all subliminal indoctrination.
2: <laughs> <laughs> isn't it
0: all? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. really? you're exactly right,
2: though, Amanda. We we were on a we did a radio show once in New York City, and there was a call-in segment afterwards, and we imagined the show the exactly the way you said it. Like this isn't how to be in in, in an interracial friendship. This is two people who can talk about these issues and can talk and, across. And when I
1: bring you along for the ride, and, right? and then That's what... <laughs> every caller was
2: like. So at work, I got this friend. <laughs> or my daughter, my daughter at school wants more black friends and... And we were like, and I don't e- know how to. Every to question focus. was like that. We were—they suddenly wanted us to solve their like their like interracial problems. I love uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And, and we we went for the ride because we wanted yeah, we that, that free yeah. publicity. Exactly. We wanted that marketing. Well, I but think we that was, yeah. back in the Hyde Park you, in
0: '78. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Here's one, well. Here's one more question, just to top it off. Is there any restorative justice? Options for Kanye West? Oh, are there? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, there yeah, are for sure. I mean, yeah, no one's brother it. hasn't killed anybody, so we got to keep. And even if he had, we Wait, have restorative justice. That's out. right. Okay. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. so there's no lines. There's no lines to be drawn. So this but is this what? is a
0: game that we play on my show, Smart, Funny, and Black, where we basically like we present somebody who done crossed the lines. Like, how do we bring them back?
2: <laughs> what could
0: they do to come on back to the barbecue?
2: shoot yo take take Uh-oh. your take your meds shit that's an easy one <laughs> this is fucking e- that's the easiest answer like actually take your meds yeah. and 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 get a shave no uh, come on no
1: <laughs> no nah, nah, he needs to he, need, I, he needs you to know, tighten it because up because look there? look hear, hear me out hear me out because during COVID, i had a two-year COVID beard um at first it was cool my wife called me her like you know sexy chocolate um and we lost you know, with, with Silver Shadow.
2: I mean, she had a whole that, bunch that, of nicknames that's, uh, for me. In the I mean, process. he's in a closet. Uh, yeah, but then the I powers. just started looking
1: raggedy. Uh, and Kanye was right. I needed they shut him down. Once I finally got him <laughs> to actually I knew cut it. my beard, <laughs> so that I would return <laughs> back to powers, normalcy. Yo.
2: So yeah.
1: that's my take on it.
2: So Kanye is from our, you know, not too far from where we live, growing up here. So right. That's yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you have to start canceling the the people that you you know, or your your local heroes. We I actually, just, this, is, this is an aside and maybe not, like we went to high school with, with uh, R. Kelly, like to high school. <laughs> really? So, yeah, yeah. Did he
0: go to high school?
2: He didn't graduate, um, but he he was a, uh, yeah, but he was he was in our class. I remember Khalil and I were sitting at the Christmas because he would show up even after he was no longer in school. He well, would of show course, up every that's year. That's his demographic. No, no, that's his favorite no, demographic. It, it really was. I mean, so... Uh, two stories about him. Uh, you talking
1: about R. Kelly. Yes, he, he, I go Robert. away for like for thirty <laughs> seconds, and we end up on R. Kelly. Really? So
2: we so, we have
1: spent two seasons trying to avoid talking about this man.
2: No, but we're on this show. So <laughs> one, one story is my wife, who went to is my was my prom date at our high school. Oh, um, I love it. She she sees him like ten years later, like we're married and maybe even have kids at that point. She sees him somewhere, and she's like, "Oh, hi, Robert," and she says, "Oh, hey, hey." Uh, are, are you still a virgin? Oh,
1: damn! Really? I didn't like, hear that like, story.
2: Like that's just so messy and dirty. Wait, the, wait, the, wait, 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 <laughs> wait! Pause,
0: pause, pause! You can't just <laughs> like, say that. Like I gotta process that. He like asked what? her that, like at the mall, like just casual.
2: Was that like, at, like, uh, like a, a bar or something? Like yeah, casual. Like you know, but like that's that was the entree. Like because either like damn, really? Like okay. The second thing you know the is, is my wife's cousin, who's like fifteen years younger, and also I went to our high school. She had the exact same spe- experience. Fifteen years later, where he was showing up and trying to like recruit all these girls. Um, you see, mm. so it really was preying on on our, co- you know, community of young yes. women. Community, yeah, yeah.
0: Khalil, you were telling us about your two year COVID beard, and I can't even picture yeah, I, I you was with just a two saying, year like, COVID beard.
1: Like, 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 this is all part of the therapy for Kanye. Remember that was yes, the prompt, the
0: cleansing. And so
1: in my that's right. In my own journey, I realized two years later, even though I'd had all these compliments, my wife loved the beard. She was like, "Sexy chocolate. That's my mm-hmm. that's my silver fox. You know, because I was very gray, <laughs> and I you know I turned fifty last year, and it seemed appropriate in the midst of COVID. And then one day I woke up, I was like, "What the fuck, man? You look crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, I'm looking like the out here. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm like I'm like. I'm 50. I got 50 more good years. What's going on here? So I cut it off and I felt younger and and spry and handsome. And uh, I just
2: returned to the world, you know, with more vigor and commitment. (laughs) What I love about this answer is, like, no matter who it's about, it's really about me. Like, Khalil is like, I am so fit now. And let me tell you about my workout and about (laughs) my diet. Like, I just am amazing... Oh, and who were we Kanye talking about again? Do the oh, yeah, no, we're talking about. I'm just
1: right. I'm just saying, you know, Kanye's put on a little weight. He got this crazy beard. His mental health needs attention. He's got he's turned into a racist. He's keeping bad company. Like, you know, you got to reel it in. It starts with hygiene.
0: It starts
2: <laughs> with
0: hygiene.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, shout out to Chicago. I was in Chicago uh for the last uh dates of my tour and okay. I well, and you know what? Let me stop. I was My hotel was in Chicago. The venue was in Schaumburg. Um, Okay. I was at the (laughs) the Chicago... It should be the Schaumburg Improv, to keep it real. And That's um, right.
1: Schaumburg, Illinois, that is. Yes. Yes.
0: And we had someone... We had to escort someone at the venue because they started heckling me and were like, you're everything that's wrong with this country. And and this this is a
2: white person? Is that... A Mexican person. (laughs) No, man. Mexican American. Oh wow! Person.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So Chicago was full of surprises uh, because yeah. I wasn't in Chicago, so that was surprise number one. And two, I thought I couldn't see, so I thought it was a white person just because. I mean, that just aligns. And then after, people were like, "No, it was a Mexican. It was a Mexican." <laughs> uh, and how, how do you
2: how do you deal with it? Like when you're on stage and that happens.
0: Well, I'm very very uh, attuned to my audience, so I could tell that there was like a a ruckus happening. And so I was like, I was like, there's a ruckus, <laughs> a ruckus happening. And, um, <laughs> and I said, what's going on over there? And I love my, I love my fans, my audience. They was like, somebody over here ruining the show.
1: <laughs> somebody <laughs> over here ruining
0: the show. And I was like, who's on the show? And then I hear this voice yell, you know, you're everything that's wrong with America. And I was like, oh, am I really everything? I don't even have time to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then he repeated it. And I was like, no, the problem is that you don't want to hear the truth. And that means that everything that's wrong with America. And like, right as I said that, I mean, security had just been holding him while I was talking to him. Like they, I, the woman in the front said, she was like, I've never seen people move so fast without running. It was amazing. Mm. There was this two, wow. two brothers was not playing around. So he was escorted out and that was that. But anywho, shout to Chicago. They always show me love. <laughs> yes. And shout to you all. So where can people get the podcast? With oh, Lou.
1: wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Apple, iHeart, Spotify, Google, wherever you download and yeah.
2: listen. It's through, Please subscribe. It's through, yeah. Subscribe, like, tell your friends. That's right. Yeah, it's through Pushkin. Give us five stars, uh, all of the yeah, above. So, so you can all go to the website, too. All yeah. Some of my best friends are.
0: Some of my best friends are. Starring
2: (laughs) Ben Austin
0: and Khalil Gibran Muhammad. Thank you all so much for joining us here at Small
2: Doses. Thank you, man. It was so much fun. You're amazing. Thank you so much.
0: Appreciate y'all. A podcast network.